the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's all about inspiring people. Hi, I'm Beth Bacall. Welcome to this podcast. Kate Battistelli has many titles. She's a woman of faith, a wife, a mother to Grammy Award winning artist Francesca Battistelli, a grandmother, speaker, singer, actress, and now an author. Kate's book, The God Dare, will encourage and challenge you to dig deeper with your relationship with God. This book is filled with personal stories, Bible stories, and keys to finding and living your life at the purpose that God intended it to have. Please enjoy this time I had the privilege of sharing with this amazing woman. Hi, Kate Battistelli. Hi, Beth. Thank you so much for having me today. Can we do a little word association just to kind of warm up and to learn a little bit more about Kate Battistelli? Sure. Cool. Tell me the first thing or thoughts that come to your mind when I say a word. First word is Israel. Oh, just my heartbeat. Didn't you just have a trip to Israel? We did. We went in March and it's just, I I told my husband, if if for any reason we couldn't live in America, the only other place I'd want to live is Israel. It changes your life when you go there. It really does. So yeah, I love it. Second word, kitchen. Oh, I mean, I, I love to cook. So Anything that has to do with food, I'm in. <laughs> you are a foodie. I know that about you. What Do you have, even have a favorite thing to cook? No, I don't really have a favorite. I mean, I have certain comfort food dishes like, well, my husband makes these unbelievable meatballs that I've put the recipe up on my blog because we make them all the time. It's probably Franny's, our daughter's favorite thing. He's really good. I mean, it, they're just certain things that I go to when I really just need that, you know, just that extra dose of comfort. But pretty much anything I'll try at least once just because it's you know, how do you know you don't like it until you've tried it? <laughs> Unless it's really weird. I'm not going to eat crickets or anything like that. But. <laughs> okay, here's your next word. Mother or mothers. Gosh, the first word that pops into my brain, I, I'm not sure. I loved being one. I did things a lot differently than my mother did. We didn't have the closest relationship. So, I, you know, I have kind of a, not a love-hate relationship with the word, but a I don't know. I don't know how I'd even describe it. It's just I had to choose to, to really learn what mothering really meant. But I think by knowing the Lord, He taught me how to be a good mother and call out the gifts in my child. That was not done for me. And I, and I think being a child of the 50s and 60s and 70s, that just wasn't very typical back then. Most parents didn't do that. So I don't think it's odd that I didn't have that. But when I was raising our daughter and coming to, you know, as we came to know the Lord, I just thought, okay, there has to be a different way to do this, to, to really raise a child where you just see what God has planted in them and, and help them to believe that they're on this planet for a reason. They're not just random. They're not just, you know, they're, they're not just taking up space, but they're here to change the world. So we were very, very intentional about that. And don't you work on some conferences that have to do with mothers and daughters now? I, I do. And I have a, a little podcast that I'm part of called the Mom to Mom Podcast, and that's three generations of moms. Between us, we have 17 children, which I only have one. I only contributed one. The other girls have all the other uh, kids. But um, yeah, well, I love talking to moms and, uh, and about motherhood and, and just the things that I found that worked really well for us. That's your heartbeat too. Yeah, yeah. it is. Okay, here's another word. Haiku. Oh, well, I, I did love doing haikus back in high school and 
had an English teacher that loved my haikus, and she'd always write little things on them. That was kind of one of the few affirmation moments that I had growing up that, that, okay, I can actually write something decent, but I never considered myself a writer. That's what's so odd. But I, I always knew I loved to write, always journaled, stuff like that, but never, ever thought I'd write a book. You have to know it's God. When, when that happens, you're going, okay, that can only be the Lord. And we're going to talk about the God Dare after I give you one more word as we finish up our game of word association. Well, it's a name. Yule Brenner. Ah, uh, well, he's kind of my hero because he pulled me out of the chorus of The King and I way back in 1981. We were on the national tour, a big national tour. I was out on it for almost three years. He literally pulled me out of the chorus and gave me the leading role, which you know, you know, Broadway, that world, that just does not happen. Not the way it happened for me. I was 26 years old and, and I went out as the understudy on that show thinking, well, you know, understudies are basically an insurance policy. I'll never get to go on, except I did two months into the run of the show, the leading lady calls in sick. Well, you know, just said she couldn't be there because she had pneumonia. And this was, I got to the theater at 7.15 for an eight o'clock show because I was only in the chorus. I didn't have much to do. Well, it was 45 minutes of terror before I had to go out and whistle a happy tune. But I learned very early on that sometimes you just have to do it afraid. So I did. And he ended up liking doing the show with me better. I think because I was just so young, I brought a real youthful feeling to the show. I bought out her two-year contract and put me in the role. And I think now I, I look back at that and think he could have picked anybody in the world to be in that part. You know, I mean, he was Joel Brenner. He had power. He could have chosen anyone and he picked me. So I just say, okay, God, I didn't know you then, but even then you were starting to draw me. It's, it's very interesting. God really does have a sense of humor. I have learned that over the years. That's such a great foundation that you can look back on. That's an incredible story. That's just really one of the many that you're sharing in The God Dare. And what you just yeah. said, sometimes you have to do something afraid. That's all over over your book. Mm-hmm. Well, God's made me walk through that uh, many, many times. And it's a lesson that we instilled in our daughter when she was young. And I've seen her do it afraid more than once where God's just like, okay, this is way bigger than you. But that's how God, that's often the way he dares us with something that's just way outside our comfort zone. We know we're not equipped to do it, but if he calls you to it, he'll equip you to do it. And that's one of the little, what I call God dare secrets that I sprinkle throughout the book, because it's true. You know, we if we can do it on our own, what do we need God for? God has to bring us to that, to that place that's just outside where we're comfortable to say, look, just step out, nudge yourself, get out there and do that thing, and you're going to find that it's going to change the world. And I just see it all through Scripture. I've seen it in my life, in many friends and, and people that we know in their lives and in our daughter's life. It's I, I just see it as a real principle. You see it and you've shared it in this book. This is a really brave book. You've got a lot of really brave personal shares. And you have included every story, everybody's story from the Bible in this. You you talk about everyone from Esther and Job and David and Moses and Ruth. You have a a real connection with the story of Ruth. Yeah, I I love the book of Ruth because I just love how she, God didn't dare her by appearing to her, giving her a dream or sending an angel. You know, sometimes in the Bible, the way he does things, it's like, how, how can you say no? But Ruth just saw something so real and raw in her mother in law, who'd lost everything, who was pretty bitter and thinking, you know, God. God, his 
hand had gone out against her and all that. She didn't have a full understanding of the Lord, but she knew who he was. And there was enough of him in Naomi that it just drew Ruth. She couldn't not follow. When Naomi decided to go back to back to Israel and back to her people and her country, Ruth could have stayed home. She could have said, no, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to just stay here and, and remain a Moabite. But she didn't. She followed because whatever that was that was in Naomi just drew her so deeply. And she ends up in the lineage of Christ, which I just find so amazing that just the way God loves women, the, the downcast, the downtrodden, the ones you would never think, like Rahab. She's another one, a prostitute. And she's in the lineage of Christ. And you're like, how does that work? But, you know, the way God sees things is very different from the way we see things. And she's another one who just heard about God. And, and of everyone in her city, she's the only one, she and her family, the only ones that made it out of Jericho alive because she dared to trust in a God way bigger than herself and to believe in, in what the Israelites were telling her. I, I just It just astounds me. I love those stories in the Bible. Whoever reads this book is definitely going to get on the edge of what's my God dare. I think we know it as, as we read the book. We think, I know what this one's, I know, but you stand on that edge and then here you yes. come saying you need to take that spiritual bungee jump. You do. And and I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I've had some fun things happen. King and I was an awesome time in my life. That was before we knew the Lord. Got, my husband and I got saved a few years later and, and walked away from that whole Broadway world, laid all that down, had our daughter and all of that. And, you know, she's done great in Christian music, won a Grammy, all that wonderful stuff. But my most recent God Dare was last summer when I put a chapter in the book that I did not talk about for 46 years. And when I was 18, I got pregnant and I didn't know what to do. This is 1972, Beth. This is before Roe v. Wade is even made law. I lived in New Jersey at the time where abortion was illegal. And I went to Planned Parenthood. They said, do you want to have a baby? And I thought, well, no, I want to be a Broadway star. There's no way. I can't have a baby at 18. My family will disown me. You know, there's just none, nothing about it made sense to me. I didn't fully understand the impact of what I was doing. But at the time, it was the only answer that made sense for me. So they made me an appointment in New York. There was an abortion clinic there. And I went and I, I did the procedure. And I remember the doctor telling me, and he had this soft French accent, and he said, it's a good thing you came in this week, because had you waited one more week, I wouldn't have been able to do this procedure. You were you were right on the cusp of four months. At that time, I didn't know what that meant. Today, I know. Today, we can see the pictures. We can go online and we understand what, we understand what abortion does, what it is, what the child feels, all those things. I didn't know that then. And I really just buried that secret. I, I mean, I told my husband, but I told maybe in my life, I've told three people. And because I was terrified, I just, you know, I was buried under guilt and shame. It was just something you didn't do. And if you did it, you did not talk about it. But God started daring me last summer. He was just pushing at me. You've got to put this story in the book. You've got to put this in the book. I kept saying no. And he kept, because I'd never told my daughter. She's in her thirties. I had never told her until last summer. Once I knew it was going to go in and, and I, you know, I just wanted to make sure that she was all right with me sharing this because she's a public figure. And I didn't want, I didn't want anything that had been in my past to be embarrassing to her, but she was very gracious. She was, Franny was fine with it and she understood and, and, you know, she wasn't, never held anything against me with that, but I held it against myself. And I think the problem is that so many women my age and, and younger, I mean, just all ages, but it's one out of three women that have had an abortion, which means one out of three men have been affected by this as well. And we think that God can't use us because I did this thing back when I was young and there's no way he can't use me. And I thought, you know what? I have to just let this go because once you expose it, it doesn't have any power anymore. The enemy can only have power over you when he's keeping you under guilt and shame. As soon as you let that go and say, you know what? I'm bringing this out into the light. I am not living back there anymore. And you've 
you've repented and you've asked for forgiveness, then the, the future is open to you. And I just encourage anybody listening, if you've dealt with this sin, if you've asked the Lord to forgive you, I knew the moment I got saved that Jesus knew what I'd done, but I also knew that he loved me. And I knew that in that moment he forgave me. So that's the power that we have. And we can just take that and throw that in the enemy's face and say, you know what, devil? No more. You are not going to hold me back from God's destiny for me. So I know that's why he really made me put that in the book, because it's going to, I believe, I hope, I pray that it will set free a lot of other women to, to share whatever their broken story is. Because we're, we're all, we all have, I mean, we're all beautifully broken. And you speak about that destiny in the book. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the thing is that's so cool. I, I know he still gives his beauty for our ashes. We just have to give it to him. And he turns those ashes into something good, into something that can change the world if we if we allow it. But if we don't, we're just going to always say no to God because we, we just believe he can't use me. I'm not worthy or, I mean, we give him a million excuses. We can say, I'm too old or I'm too young or God, you don't even know my name. And those are all, they're, they're all just lies that, and, and sometimes they're just excuses that we use not to step out and do that scary thing. But I mean, I just want to encourage the, your listeners that if, if you step out and do the scary thing, that's what changes the world. And you see it all through the Bible. I mean, Moses didn't want to go. He did not want to go to, you know, take the Israelites out of Egypt. He fought God and said no half a dozen times. So God finally says, you're going to go. You'll bring your brother Aaron with you, but you're the one I've appointed to do this. And, you know, it, it's easy to say no to God. And I think that if we do, he'll move on to somebody else. But man, if he puts something on your heart to do, just get out and do it because it's going to make a huge impact in your life and in the lives of everybody around you. Kate, your voice is so strong and your story, it's so raw. I, I'm curious of the journey the Lord took you through just to get these words you know, into this book because it is, it's a very raw place, but I can just tell just by the way you're you're sharing, you know, the stories that you have in the God Dare, how you've really been freed. I have, I mean, you know, we've gone through a lot. We went through infertility, miscarriage, failed adoption, all that stuff. It's not all been sunshine and Broadway and roses. You know, God has taken us through some, some tough times. And for me, I wanted five kids. I'm that crazy woman that wanted a big family. And God just kept saying, no, no, that's not my plan for you. I have a different road. And sometimes, sometimes that's the hardest thing when we see our life a certain way and God's saying, you know, that's all fine and good, but that's not what I have for you. So we're either going to follow him and obey or we're not. But, you know, during that journey, I've dealt with depression. I've dealt with anxiety and being addicted to anxiety meds. I'm off of them now, thank goodness. But just, I know the enemy did not want the message of this book to get out because I seriously thought it was going to come out in 2012. But God waited till 2019, I think, just because I wasn't willing back then to talk about the things I'm willing to talk about. I mean, there's mm. nothing about my life I won't talk about at this point. Mm. You know, if people know I had an abortion, there's not there's not a lot worse you can do. So that's, you know, that was a bad mis- mistake and decision that I made. But there's nothing we can do that God can't forgive if we ask him to. Amen. I mean, just ask the thief on the cross. You know, it was his last breath, practically, that he asked Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, today you'll be with me in paradise. So it is never too late it, to repent and to ask forgiveness and to move on and to and to do something for God that he can, he'll still ask you to do things. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are. None of that matters to the Lord. He, he doesn't care about that stuff. He cares about one thing, and that's our obedience, I think, more than anything. And that's where the spiritual bungee jump comes in at times. You write how his greatest mercy is wrapped in his deepest test. And you've yeah. had quite a few. I did. I mean, I, I really did. He really tested me. Just the whole thing with not being able to have the amount of children I wanted. I was mad at God for a long time. I thought, you're just, you know, you're supposed to be a good father who gives good gifts, and I'll be a good mother. I'll raise this child to be a Christian and to love you. And he would not give me what I wanted. But my mistake 
mistake was I wanted God for what he could give me, and I had to learn to want him and love him just for who he is. That has to be enough for every single one of us, because who he is is so unbelievable, so glorious, so wonderful. But it took me several years, really, to learn that lesson, to mature to the point where I could grasp that. But once I grasped it, once I got a hold of it, then there was really no stopping me, because then I began to realize, okay, there's a reason why you didn't want us having five children with where you were taking our daughter, Francesca, what you had for her life. Because we forget, I think, that God is always looking down the generation. We think it's about us, but God's looking at our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, what, what's going to come out through them. And what I had wanted for my life was Fame and Fortune and a Tony Award. But what, you know, once we laid that down, God brought through the next generation. Our, our ceiling became our daughter's lore. And we were, she's taking it the way it's supposed to go. She is glorifying God with her life and her music and her career and worshiping Him and drawing people to Him. And that, that was not my goal. <laughs> but with, you know, once we came to know Him and started to see the gift beginning to develop in her, we thought, okay, there's a reason. This is the reason we only have one child, because we're supposed to pour everything that, that we learned in the years that we were in the music and theater and entertainment world and help her to just to navigate all of that, you know, until she got signed and started her career. But th- so there's always a reason. And, and the years give perspective that you you may not have right now. You may have just had a miscarriage and it makes no sense. And you're sitting there going, God, what on earth? But 10 years from now, you're going to have a very different perspective of where you're at. And, and I think we just forget that. But that's a good thing that my age, being in my 60s, I can now look back and it, it makes a lot more sense than it did when I was in my 30s. So I'm thinking instead of having five children, now you're going to be the grandma. Uh, you're going to have five that's grandchildren, right. right? That's right. Yep. Franny is pregnant again with number five. And, you know, she's our only. So I just tell her, keep them coming. <laughs> I'll take as many as you give me. So, yeah, it's it's funny. And that's another thing. God's sense of humor. It's like, okay, I didn't give them to you, but you're getting them, you know, second generation, which is perfectly fine. We get to enjoy them. They're they're wonderful. They bring us so much joy. So, you know, I, he still answered my prayer. He just answered it in his way. He does, it, You know, just because we think we understand how God's going to do something, that's just not ever how it's going to work out. He's going to do it in his own unique way, but it'll make total sense eventually. You give us a lot of nuggets of amazing brilliance and wisdom in this book. Faith only comes real when it's tested. Yeah, I think trust is the ultimate place to get to, but faith is the way we get we get there. Because you have to have faith to be able to trust God. You have to truly believe that His Word is truth. And it takes a while to get there. I mean, it just, at least it did for me, but, but I got saved later in life. My husband and I, I was 29, almost 30. He was 31 when we met the Lord way back in 1984. So it's a while ago, but it's almost 36 years, but we were later in life. We didn't grow up in the church. We didn't grow up hearing these concepts and understanding these things from the time we were young. So it took a while, I think, because, you know, you you get your, you have your worldview and your mindset and you think this is how it is. Oh, this must be what the Bible means until you go through something and you, you're just, until the rubber meets the road, you really don't understand who God is and how he works and how, how powerful he is. You're going to have to go through stuff. That's just part of life, part of scripture, you know, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world, Jesus says. Amen. So it's remembering those things. And, and that's the stuff that you get deep down in your spirit.
spirit that gets you through on the tough days. And even just your connection with the Lord, you fought that for the longest time. You kept being invited to go to church with a friend and you just were like, no, la-da-da, I've got other things to do. And voila. Yeah. And what's what I love about that story, well, she was a born-again Jew, which I love. And we got to see her when we were in Israel in March. So that was really neat. She's, gosh, 86, 87 years old now. And, and we finally got to see her after 25 years. But um, yeah, sometimes you just don't know. You don't know how it's going to work. But she was relentless with us. She would not give up. She just kept inviting us to church. We kept saying no. After a few months, you know, you get to the point where it's just rude and you have to say, okay, whatever, we'll go. And of course, it changed our lives. We both got saved on the same night. And it was just an amazing, an amazing experience and turnaround in our lives. It was a really cool time. What was her name? Her name was June Stone. And we, we lived in Manhattan together. We were both in business at the time. And she was kind of a mentor for us. She was a few years older. And she knew the Lord. And I think she just knew God was saying those two, mm-hmm. I, I want them. And you're the one, you're the one I'm going to use to bring them to your church mm-hmm. with your pastor. It was an all African-American holiness church in Jamaica, Queens. I mean, none of it makes any sense. And to me, I was raised Episcopal. And we walk in this church with this unbelievable gospel choir and, and a very different sense than you're going to get in any kind of mainline denomination. And it was just, I mean, the Holy Spirit was there and I'd never experienced that before. And when he gave the invitation at the end, and we were the only white faces in this church. There were probably 2,000 people. She sat us in the front row. We, we kind of couldn't escape. But when he gave the altar call, our hands just shot up in the air that night, and we have never looked back. I love it. If you want your life changed, you need to take the God dare, but you need to read it first. Will you choose to believe the impossible? This really is a life-changing book, if you'll let it be a life-changing book, Kate. I think so. I mean, I think if people really will be, if they're willing to get out of their comfort zone, because every time God dares you, it's going to push you a little bit far. And I think that's one of the problems in America, that we are comfortable. For the most part, most of us have a decent life. Not everybody. I mean, there's there's a lot of homelessness and poverty and all of that, but, but a lot of Americans are living comfortably. And a lot of, in the churches, we're just comfortable. We're happy. Don't make me do anything. Don't make me talk to my neighbor. Don't make me witness to a stranger. But God wants us to do that. So, I mean, sometimes it's a big world-changing thing, you know, where God's going to give you a giant platform and all this stuff. Sometimes it's just, it's just living like Jesus, forgiving that person you have not been willing to forgive for 25 years, not taking an offense when someone does something wrong. You know, it's it's actually doing what Jesus told us to do, because I firmly believe that every word that came out of Jesus's mouth was a God dare, a Jesus dare. You know, everything he said, love your enemies. Well, how, how on earth do you do that? That is not easy to do, but it's something he tells us to do. So it's those kind of things that it may not be a big, gigantic thing. It may just be as simple as you've got a Muslim neighbor and he just wants you to take them some muffins or be kind to them or invite them to come over for dinner to get to know them, not not to try to change them, but just to love them. And then maybe they'll see Jesus in you and want to know more. It can be a very simple thing, the way God will dare each of us, and it'll be different for everybody. Could you just share one more God dare secret? Oh, gosh, so many. Well, one, the one, probably my favorite one that God just dropped in my spirit, which says the impossible is God's comfort zone. Mm. The possible is ours, but he's asking us to stay step into his comfort zone, which is the impossible. And that's where the miracles happen. That's where change happens. That's where the world is changed, I believe. I believe this is a life-changing book. It's called The God Dare. Will you choose to believe the impossible? Kate Battistelli, thank you so much. How can we get The God Dare? It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, ChristianBook.com.
com, all those places. Pretty much anywhere books are sold. And we have a fun little offer right now where you can get the foreword written by our daughter, Francesca. The introduction in the first three chapters, real simply, just text God there, one word with no spaces, to 44144. And you'll get, we'll just email that right to you. And that way you get to, to read a little bit and try it before you actually make a decision whether you want to read the whole thing. So just a fun little try before you buy. That's so nice of you. How about some social media for Kate Battistelli so we can stay connected with you? It's just at Kate Battistelli on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all all those places. Yep, just Kate Battistelli. Super simple. Super fantastic. And I really appreciate you taking the time for this podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Beth. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.